Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. We're here today at Project Quantum Leap, Sam and Dennis, and joined by our guest, Annie. Hello. Hello, Annie. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show, you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank We're you for back. joining us. And then also, full disclosure, also, <laughs> as if to say hello, also in the room, we have... Uh, my son, Harrison, <laughs> as long with uh, Mama and my wife, Betsy, uh, they are also hanging out in the room with us today, so he may uh, chime in on occasion here. But, you know, we're a family-friendly podcast, except for when we drop the F-bomb. Except when we curse, yeah. So, so, so here we go. So welcome. Uh, last last episode of the first season. That's right. We um, made our way. Yeah, and we should also address, uh, for those of uh, those who listened to last week's episode, uh, was, uh, was Kamikaze Kid, and we had some, ooh, uh, creepiness sneak into the, sneak into the episode. Uh, that was actually the first episode of the podcast that Annie had listened to before, right? Yes, and I, and I, and I made an appearance little to my knowledge. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, we had some fun with that one, mm-hmm. as you can tell. Um, we we both worked on that one. Generally, I usually do the editing of the episodes. Dennis kind of handles all of our social media and that sort of stuff, so I end up kind of handling the editing in. Um, but this one uh, was definitely a collaborative effort, to say the least. In fact, mm-hmm. I think Dennis ended up really doing most of the heavy lifting on that I one. I jumped in, yeah. I, I had um, a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and we did. We just had a lot of fun with it. We figured, uh, since we decided not to do The B-Man uh, as an episode um, for Halloween and, and keep up with our chronological order, that we should at least acknowledge that uh, strange uh, things uh, happen. A little hat tip to Halloween and yeah. to the Halloween episode. <laughs> so we had a good time with that one. Uh, nothing too obtrusive, so I think you were able to still get... Get what you wanted from the mm-hmm. Kamikaze so, Kid. Yes, yeah. Um, but now we, we find ourselves here at the end of the first season for Play It Again, Seymour. Uh, this is written by Scott Shepard, directed by Aaron Lipstadt. Aired May 17th, 1989. Our leap date is April 14th, 1953, which we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, and we're in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Sam has leaped into Nick Allen. And our TV Guide synopsis is... It looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship when Sam, Scott Bakula, as a bogey-like Seamus, teams with a neat kid to find the hitman who killed his partner. And uh, that's really all you need to know. That's a pretty straightforward TV guide review. We've had some. Yeah. The one for Kamikaze Kid was pretty... Uh, oh, I couldn't even make it through it without laughing. Yes. So that, <laughs> that, that was a pretty straightforward one. Uh, so we should also note, um, Annie, how many episodes of Quantum Leap have you seen? One. Which, which <laughs> one? played against Seymour. Um, she ha- That's um, the only one. <laughs> and you were not even like really aware of the concept of the series before. Well, I kind of knew like a little bit. Like I, well, because I listened to the episode first that you guys recorded, mm-hmm. and then I watched Played Against Seymour. So I kind of listening to you guys talk about it, I got like the basic concepts of it. But there were some parts, you know, and. And it's a credit to the storytelling, I think, of the writer that I was able to catch on pretty quickly what exactly the confines of the world were. And uh, 
Although it was a little bit confusing who Al was. <laughs> For like the first ten minutes of the episode, I was like, wait, so is this guy part of the world? Or is he from the future? Or who is he? And it wasn't until he took out his little computer, like, handheld thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the hand little like, belly lights. Like, yeah. yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. Um, I was like, oh, okay. So he's part of, like, the jumping back and forth. But, um, yeah. No, I mean, I'd, I, I caught on pretty quickly. And, uh... I don't think I'd miss too much not knowing much about the show. So. Yeah. But we'll see. Once you guys start talking about it, I'm sure I'll be like, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I I think that, I I think that for the first season in particular, and and even most of the series as a whole, you don't need to know everything about. It's definitely not serialized. It's not something where, you know, you come in halfway through a season and you're completely lost. You could absolutely just catch a few episodes here or there. Um... Yeah, I, and, and played against Seymour is, is interesting because, I mean, once you kind of figure out where Al is coming from, the rest of the episode plays out mm-hmm. pretty much just, you don't, you know, you don't need to know anything really, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to know any background on Sam, you don't need to know anything, you just know that mm-hmm. here this guy is in 1953 now, and he's mm-hmm. traveling through time, and that's that. Yeah, and we've talked a lot uh, about this in previous episodes, is that the first season, leaned a lot heavier into genre episodes. Mm-hmm. And this is very clearly a genre episode that fully embraces the, the old film noir. Yeah. And I... How do you feel about that, Sam? Well, <laughs> so I love film noir. I do. Um, I think the struggle that this episode has is that it doesn't plant its feet in one direction or another when it comes to being serious or being parody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it suffers because of that. Mm. I, I think that you know, we get this opening shot, which is like heavy and atmospheric of, mm-hmm. of, of Sam standing there, with, you know, literally with the smoking gun mm-hmm. over his his who we find out is his partner, dead, mm-hmm. riddled with bullet holes. Mm-hmm. Cops come in um, and get ready to you know arrest Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> So, I, I don't know. I, I think, as a whole, um, it's a fun episode, and it's, and it's, 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 I guess it's a fun episode of Quantum Leap, but when I rewatched it, I, if I were to have to take it or leave it, I'd probably leave this one, actually. Interesting. This is the okay. one you had me watch? I didn't watch <laughs> the first time Quantum Leaper, and you give me the one that you would leave. Well, well, you I had a foggy memory. There were two of them because we were recording uh, uh, this episode and Honeymoon Express, which is the next episode, mm-hmm. on uh, the same day. And it's, it's a very flimsy connection but between uh, you and having our guest host uh, next week, which is my wife, Betsy. Um the, the very flimsy connection is one of the first shows that we worked on together because Annie, as an actor as well, was a film noir inspired uh, show. It's true. Yes. Uh, that is a flimsy connection. That is a very <laughs> that, that is a very flimsy connection. But you were you were basically the the Allison. In that. I know, and yeah. she was great. I love. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Claudia Christian is is awesome. I and honestly, I think for me, that's one of the reasons why I had such fond memories of the episode mm-hmm. because I really like her, and I and, and she was in one of my other favorite TV shows, Babylon Five. Mm-hmm. She's she, in Freaks and Geeks too. She was in Freaks and Geeks. I had that's to right. look her up on IMDb because I couldn't figure out how I recognized mm-hmm. her. I was like, she was Bill's mom on Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's yeah. I, she's great. I, I I really like her a lot, and and um, I think that 
Yeah, that certainly was one of the reasons why I probably liked the episode so much. I remember, this is actually one of the episodes that I can literally remember watching when it aired. Um, and it, it would have been about uh, a week or so before my eighth birthday. It would have actually. been May 17th, 1989. Yeah, so it was 10 days before my eighth birthday. And I can remember watching this episode because I remember the uh, elevator scene pretty vividly. Um, and I, we had, so we had two TVs in, in the house that we lived in, in Independence, Missouri, which is when this aired. And one was in the front room and one was in this den area. And I watched most episodes of Quantum Leap in the den. Because that was the area where I could go where nobody else would bother me and I wouldn't bother them with Quantum Leap. Um, but I remember watching this episode in the front room. And, and I don't remember why exactly, but I do remember being alone. Um, I think my mom was in the kitchen doing something or whatever, but I, I remember watching it by myself. Um, so I guess for that reason, it probably has a special place in my heart. But for some reason, I don't know, when I watched it last night, I was just kind of a little, eh, Hello, you know, man. yeah. Well, let's, well, let's jump into it. Let's do it. Um, so first off we have, uh, if you're watching like the, the original air, the Blu-ray, we get the, the intro, uh, this one, it's a, it's a little bit less, uh, explainy. Mm-hmm. They've dropped the... It all started when a time travel experiment I was conducting, blah, blah, blah. With a little caca. Yeah, yeah, this one was like, some days I have good days, I win the race. Uh, stop the bad guy and kiss the girl, showing clips from last week's episode. Kamikaze Kid. Kamikaze yeah. Kid. Yeah. Then there are bad days when he is standing over a dead body. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, the cops break in. Um, and like, unless they have a good... Unless he has a good reason why he's standing over a dead body, he's going to miss the Dodgers opener. And Al makes the, or not Al, uh, Sam makes the, the observation that he's still in L.A. Because mm-hmm. that's where last week's episode took place. Right. And uh, I can't remember what the cop says, but basically uh, makes some smart-ass comment to correct him. Like, yeah. like, like no, they're, uh, they're in Brooklyn because this is before. Well, the funny thing is he doesn't say Brooklyn, though. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just basically makes a smart-ass comment about, like, you know, Sam not knowing what he's talking about. Or, pretend, mm-hmm. or like, oh, you're going to cop insanity on us or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... And for our baseball fans playing along at home, the uh, Dodgers were in Brooklyn until 1957. Mm. Uh, and at this point, Sam looks over and sees a newspaper, which talks about the home opener. No, he, he doesn't see the newspaper. They do a really interesting thing that I don't remember from any other episode. They escort him out, uh-huh. and the office is empty, and the camera just pans over okay. to, but, the news, to the newspaper, and it comes in on the date of uh, April 14th, 1953, which you kind of alluded as to why that is a unique date. Right. Uh, it's before Sam was born. It is. Yeah. Uh, so Annie, Quantum Leap movie. Yes. Um, Sam was born on August 8th, 1953, which they established pretty early on. But they also established Sam is only supposed to be able to time travel within his own lifetime. So why does he get to go back further? But if you want, if, if you want to stretch it, <laughs> by this point he would have been conceived. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he is. Uh, so you can't say like I, 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 I've I've read some okay. things, uh, and I think uh, Matt Dell even references in his trivia book. Like from this, you you could take that that Don Belisario that the show has taken a very pro life stance <laughs> that that life begins from conception, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or you can just kind of take it that that writers didn't have a firm grasp on what they were doing in the first few episodes. And right, how many writers are there? Are there like a lot of writers, or just a handful? Or is uh, there a different writer per episode? No, not for every episode this season, but for most of them, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that mm-hmm. Belisario wrote, like, what, two or three, and mm-hmm. Pratt wrote two. Mm-hmm. And Deborah Pratt was co-executive producer, and also uh, the series creator's wife. 
Oh, okay. So she wrote a handful of episodes. And then otherwise, I, I think they... Um, this was a show where like they, they shopped it out where you could submit scripts. Um, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was... Yeah, because this was before there were really... I mean, some shows have this, sure, but you didn't really have like... Um, today where you have the writer's room where you know, you've know you got like seven people who are the only people that write these shows and they're right. collaborating most of the time so they just throw somebody's name on the episode because they've got to throw somebody's name on the episode but in truth they all wrote it you know, right, it's right. Not, like, mm-hmm. not like Game of Thrones or something but um, but yeah this so yeah this one this is uh, uh, um, Scott Shepard um, who's credited as the, as the writer for the teleplay um it's his first, uh, you know. He, I, I don't, he's not written. Uh, he else. co-wrote the story for Kamikaze Kid. Okay. Um, he wrote Blind Faith, which is another uh, Later, episode coming yeah. up. He also co-wrote. Uh, I won't run through them all. Uh, he co-wrote another upcoming episode for season two. But so, this is his, yeah. But this yeah. is his first. But his actual mm-hmm. writing credit on the mm-hmm. teleplay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting though, because this one also there's. It's noted that uh, the story, however, was by Tom Blumquist and Scott Shepard and Donald P. Belisario. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, the way that I'm reading this is that Tom Blumquist and Scott Shepard actually came up with the story, but Don Belisario gets the credit because he's the creator of the show. Mm. I don't think it has anything to do with him actually crafting any of this particular story or, or the teleplay. Mm. Um, but. Well, let's we'll jump back in here. But, um, <laughs> but here we are. So, so the Dodgers mix up is fun. You know, I I, I like that. I, I think it's it, it it's interesting because you know Sam, in spite of his Swiss cheese memory, he does remember these certain little things now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he gets hauled off to jail. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We are in jail, and pretty early on, he looks in the mirror and he sees that <laughs> uh, the person he has leaped into bears a very strong resemblance to. Humphrey Bogart. Of Except course he, he does. Doesn't. <laughs> 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 I'm like, okay, it looks nothing like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> uh, clo- close enough. If you squint, if you squint, you know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> on a 1989 <laughs> TV set, I mean, come on. <laughs> I remember very poor eyesight in the 50s. They're all like, Mr. Bogart. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Guess he's dressed like Humphrey Bogart. Mm. There is, there is that. <laughs> uh, close enough. But even from, uh, like I said, this very first scene, like Sam always provides voiceover narration in every yes. episode, but this one, just from the beginning, you can tell that, that they're leaning heavily into yeah. the, to the film noir, which is something we actually so, mentioned before, I think in an episode when we were talking about the genres and playing with the tropes and about how this one feels appropriate because mm-hmm. of that fact, you know, mm-hmm. the voiceover, it's something, it's a note that I took as well, that the voiceover works very well in this genre and, um, Obviously, and, and Sam really kind of plays it to the hill. You know, the writers are clearly having fun with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You could tell that they were, like, having a blast thinking of the cheesiest phrases they could possibly drum up from, like, mm-hmm. this gumshoe mm-hmm. genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Al appears. Um, and I think his first line is played against Sam. And for all the times that he corrects Sam throughout this episode for misquoting, right, right. Uh, he's actually making a pretty, uh, a, a pretty common misquote of Casablanca as well because I think it's I think it's simply play it yeah play he it, says Sam. play it Sam mm-hmm. play it play it again and again and again yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is interesting because you know I mean it's obvious of course if you've got if you've got this you know bogey lookalike or whatever you're going to steer into Casablanca but Casablanca is not the most film noir of bogey's movies by a long shot you know in right. fact you know yeah. there are some that would argue that it's you know it's film noir only because it's in black and white but that the story itself is not really 
mm-hmm. you know, part of that, that genre or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I love the film. It's one of my favorite movies ever. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I actually saw it for the first time ever, like two weeks ago. Seriously? Yeah. No so it's actually a nice coincidence that I watched that episode. <laughs> I'm like, gonna, I understand these. I'm going to throw this out. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. No. Really? I don't th- I think oh, and man. and my wife Betsy just shot a look across the room. She's divorcing me. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Papers uh, are being drawn up mm-hmm. as we speak. Um <laughs> check it out, seriously. It holds oh, up. Well, I mean, yeah, well, I mean it's just one of those just it, I just never got it, it does, but like when I was watching it, I'm like, oh man, there's so many parryable moments in this movie. But then I realized that, you know, this was the start of like this is the basis of all those parodies and yeah. it's where, at the time you wouldn't watch that and be like, Oh my god, you gotta be kidding me. Right. So but now it's like you watch it and you have all this reference of like, you know, the Simpsons making fun of Casablanca and or not making fun but parodying it and it was just interesting. Mm-hmm. That's all. No, I think you're absolutely right. It, it is interesting when you go back and you watch some older films like that and yeah. you see those things that, you know, by today's standards, it's been done so many times or right. it's been poked fun at or it's <laughs> yeah. been, you know. Uh, it's yeah. now considered derivative, but... But right, at the mm-hmm. time it was, you know, breaking new ground. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so yeah, he misquotes it and, and, and Al does not, you know, correct him. Which is funny though because he, you know, throughout the episode he never corrects him on the quote. It's that he corrects him on who said the quote. Yes, yeah. which is which is also very funny because mm-hmm. Sam starts getting into like, you know, in this very moment, like he's like, "You dirty rat," you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's like that's Cagney. Yeah, not, and know. even and even that is a misquote. Yeah, in, in and of its <laughs> in and of itself. So they're all over the place, right? Right. Uh, but at first, Sam mistakenly thinks that he might be Humphrey Bogart, but Al clarifies that no, he is. Uh, Nick Somewhere, Allen. yeah, that, uh, yeah, that. Oh, Nick, but yeah, that Bogart is, yeah, that Bogart is filming Sabrina in Long Island yeah. with uh, Lauren Bacall, is William that? Holden, and Audrey Hepburn. Oh, Audrey Hepburn, there you go. Mm. Who were having a mad affair on the set, mm. and Bogie was a little protective of Audrey and wasn't quite sure if that was what she should be doing. But he also thought, you know, you're an adult, so you do what you got to do. Mm. I know things. <laughs> <laughs> That's like our favorite dwarf. I drink and I know things. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. Um, and so, uh, so Al just basically just just shows up to just kind of give him a, like the basics of the situation. But yeah. if he doesn't need him, he's got to take off because Tina's got a friend. Then we have this moment where like Al, don't tell me you're cheating on Tina. He's like Tina's yeah. got a friend who has this, who has this, who has a lead. On on a horse race, so, so yeah. that's where I'm going. But on the horse race, and it, you know, and Al even says something about like, "Do you think so little of me that you know that mm. you jump to conclusions?" And Sam's just like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah." Um, no, and then so then the cops do show up. Um, well, Sam has this moment of deja vu before they show right. up. He looks like he's like, "Oh, hey, I know what's about to happen." A bald guy with a cigar is about to come in and say, "My bullet doesn't match the gun." Uh, I will say before they come in, there's there's a nice little moment with a background character like, yeah, like a, a drunk, drunk and passed yeah. out singing. Uh, yeah, just just singing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, there's nothing much to to add to that. But yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, he's just sitting up there singing a song and mm-hmm. you know in the background. And, mm-hmm. um, but he's also like not playing drunk very well. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts on that, eh? <laughs> well, it's just I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just like that guy is an actor playing drunk. He's not actually. Being drunk, I guess you know. Yeah, was my oh, yeah. take on it. Mm. Yeah, I you know that is that is not only a comment worth making in any situation, but in this episode in particular, I think that it is particularly salient because I find that through a lot of this episode, and this might be one of my problems with the episode in 2017 as opposed to 
seven-year-old Sam is that uh, it it feels like a lot of the actors are playing at yeah. the, the, just the genre and the trope as opposed mm. to just being in it. Right. Um, and I think that that contrasts heavily with some of the other things like Kamikaze Kid or Color of Truth or even Honeymoon Express. Those episodes are clearly playing with some tropes here and there, but you don't get the feeling that the actors are like playing at it. You know, they're, they're just, they're doing it. Um, but then, of course, as, as he has this premonition, this sense of deja vu, exactly what he said was going to happen happens. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's worth noting, because uh, occasionally we like to talk about this stuff, that Lieutenant Lannon, the, the bald, cigar-chomping mm-hmm. police officer, is played by Richard Reel, uh, who's another one of those actors that was just all over the place. And I mm-hmm. recognized him right away, but I couldn't mm-hmm. exactly place where. Mm-hmm. And I realized the reason why is because he's just been in everything. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the type of guy that was doing like 20 things a year Mm-hmm. every year, even today. Like, mm-hmm. the guy's still, like, all over the place. Um, turns out, though, however, that not only is he in this episode, but he pops up in another episode of Quantum Leap down the road. Uh, he was in Star Trek The Next Generation and arguably one of the finest episodes of Star Trek ever, The Inner Light. Um, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, he pops up in uh, Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. He's in The West Wing. Mm-hmm. And, funny enough... Uh, you know, about 15 years later or so, he would have a little reunion with Scott Bakula on a show called Star Trek Enterprise when he... Uh, Still going to go down as the greatest Star Trek series ever. Well, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was in a few episodes, actually. He played the same character in the, the Augments storyline for anyone mm. who's, again, following along. Yeah, but, and yeah. he is also uh, the guard on the train who inadvertently uh, lets Harrison Ford get away in the fugitive. fugitive, yeah, yeah, really, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the one that they're questioning. Where he makes up the story, where he tries to to prove his heroics, and then they find Harrison Ford's shackles, and they realize that his story is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And there's this great moment of, "Would you like to change your statement?" What? And then Tommy Lee Jones says, "Would you like to change your bullshit story, <laughs> sir?" <laughs> Oh man! Well, and, and then of course this leads, of course, to Sam actually getting um, getting released. Yeah. Released, yeah. Uh, and, and Al, you know, is just sort of like, oh, this is just a coincidence. But Sam doesn't think so. Mm-hmm. Sam thinks that maybe that there's the, something more that, to that there's something going on. And there's a, there's a moment, I'm sure this was cut out in the reruns, where Al's like, hey, if you don't have anything, I'm just going to... And he just wanders off. He doesn't, you know, go yeah. through the imaging chamber door, pop out. He's like, I'm just going to go wander around 1953. Yeah, hang out. But then we cut to uh, Gotham Tower. yeah. Uh, which is actually the Bradbury Building in, in L.A. Yep. Which was used in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's a fairly iconic location, and you can see why. I mean, it's it's it is which which kind of surprises me. Like going back and watching it, why they would choose uh, to use something that is such an iconic location, and probably a lot of people recognize it as being specifically L.A. specific, right. and they're supposed to be in in New York. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, that is that's a very good question. Um, I mean, it fits. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I honestly didn't notice mm-hmm. that it was an LA location. Yeah, I, well, but I, I did notice that. I <laughs> this thought came up when I was watching the show. I'm like, oh my god, like they must have a crazy good budget because 
each episode takes place in a different time period and a different location. Mm -hmm. So you can't reuse sets, really. I mean, well, actually, you can. Like <laughs> me, me being a huge nerd, going back and watching, like any time that there is a a house set after you've seen the episodes a few times, like no, it's the same set. They just move pieces oh. around. They redress it. Yeah, re yeah. yeah. So there are some sets that they reuse. Uh, they reuse the courtyard from Back to the Future in several episodes. There's another courtyard that they that they've redressed and used in several. Okay. But that said, I, I do think it's a good point that their resources clearly, though, had to be fairly high because they were able to replicate a lot of the stuff. And I think that for season two, the production values improve even mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of the episodes, with the exception of, of Genesis, you know, in the first season, you do see a lot of stuff getting redressed and, and you know, in... Um, Double identity, you, you you clearly get the Hollywood backlot, New York. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's not they're, not they're not even trying to like in this episode they're trying to at least pretend that this is New York. Whereas in Double Identity, it's so clearly the Hollywood backlot that there, at any mm -hmm. moment you know you expect like the Keystone Cops to come walking by or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, but but I mean, but, it, but the, yeah, they did have difficulty from week to week, and I've seen it like written several places where like the cast and crew basically, I mean, like they were basically making their own mini movie. Right. From week to week mm -hmm. because yeah. they had to totally upend everything. And yeah. Well, yeah, you look at that apartment building that the guy lives in and uh, the guy who supposedly looks like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a very specific apartment complex that he has to have, like, the specific kind of elevator for mm -hmm. the process of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that, that takes a lot of time and money to, like, mm -hmm. find those kind of locations. Yeah. Well, in that elevator shaft, though, it's a good point because they could have, I mean, you could have used any elevator shaft, you know what I mean? Like, but it would not have been nearly as visually impressive right. or quite, you know, as, as yeah. dramatic had it not been that elevator shaft. Mm -hmm. um, but not to get ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, uh, so he walks up to, to the Gotham Tower and he has this other sense of deja vu that he's about to interact with someone named Seymour who works with publishing and he comes up on Seymour's newsstand, which is kind of like... Publishing, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and like Seymour saying the guy that sells, you know, sneakers is in Foot Locker is in the NBA. But eventually, he isn't publishing. <laughs> but eventually, yeah. So. But eventually, he does. Yeah, he yeah. does get there. And Seymour is played by Willie Garson. Yep. Uh, who most people would probably know him from Sex and the City. He played a character on. That show, mm -hmm. I I did not watch Sex in the City regularly, so I have no idea. But he was a he was a regular character on that show. Yeah, I think he he interacts a lot with Charlotte, if I remember right. I've not seen the show a lot, but I, I but I've seen enough to know that. Oh, he's Steve. Yeah, I think so because mm -hmm. he, he he's, he's bald in, in later life or balding anyways in later life, and uh, now he's on that show White Collar. Mm -hmm. um, okay, but he also he also comes back. He also comes back in, in, a, in a later season as. Nah, let's not tell him. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna leave that one. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. We'll we're tell gonna you when we get there. Yeah, <laughs> but, but he pops back up. He does. As, yeah. as a as a pretty significant historical figure in a in a later episode. Well, you've ruined it now. No, uh, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll fix it in editing. No, we won't. No, we're leaving it. Um, but he not only meets Seymour, but he meets uh, Lionel, the mm -hmm. building superintendent, played by Paul Link, mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, like he was one of those actors. Uh, he showed yep. up a lot then. He was on the TV show Chips. Did you yes, watch that? Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, he was, my, uh, my mom was a huge fan of that TV show. Oh, when yeah. I was, uh, yeah, when I was a kid. Uh, and Chuck, the, the elevator man. Steve Neville. 
I have no idea what else he's done. I just happen to see the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he pops up as Quantum Leap Adventures as, as, as yeah. Chuck the Elevator. Yeah, right. But Chuck does have a line <laughs> talking about uh, Nick's dead partner Phil. Yeah. Uh, just seen. It was just yesterday. I was taking him up and down the elevator, and Lionel's like, "It was just yesterday." Yeah. 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 Well, and both uh, uh, both also ask about Phil's widow. Hmm. Allison, mm-hmm. um, because clearly they're both they're both fairly attracted to her. Mm-hmm. Every, pretty much everybody. Yeah, it seems like everybody. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then and then Seymour gives us our first bit of you know hard boiled pulp speak, if you will, uh, which as someone who's you know read his his fair share of that sort of stuff, it very rarely actually is written this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says a dropper named Clapper. Uh, is responsible for mm-hmm. the murder. Another title of this episode, they just called it a dropper named Clapper. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that. It's the adult we'll get that later version. on. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so at the end of this scene, uh, Sam kind of makes a, a faux pas or does something out of character for Nick. He takes a paper and he actually pays for it. Yeah. And that kind of tips everybody off that, that there's something different about Nick. Right. And, and, and Sam's just like, well, I figured I should start sometime mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is uh, then Seymour loses a lens out of his glasses, and we get the idea that this that this happens regularly, mm-hmm. and they place bets on how long how it takes to get back in. Yeah. Uh, and this is also a thing they 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 do it occasionally. They don't do it often. That like they put in like a comic sound effect. Mm-hmm. Not that. That's my side <laughs> right there. Uh, but they put in the comic sound effect of the of the lens popping through the the frame. There's like a boing. boing yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, and also the other thing that's nice too to follow up on this, and this is something that we're going to see more and more and more, is that you know Sam is always obviously there to to, to fight somebody, to correct some sort of injustice, uh, fight for somebody rather. Um, but we really start to get the sense that he's got a soft spot for you know the the, the little guy in particular. Yeah. And here, you know, he bends down and he helps Seymour put the lens back in, and um, you know, and and, and clearly he's like. He, He's taken a bit of a liking already, you know, this kid, and it's like, okay, you know, I, and it makes you wonder, was Sam ever pushed into a locker when he was a kid, you know? I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. he was in college by the time he was like 16, I'm sure it wasn't always easy, so. So I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> he, he is not the, uh, the full on Boy Scout that, that he does become in later seasons, right. but yeah. Um, yeah. So we have the scene, uh, so, uh, Chuck takes yeah. Nick up on the elevator, and this, this, awkward moment afterwards where Chuck throws out the idea that he's got two tickets to the Dodgers game. Do you think Allison would like to go to take her mind off of things? Yeah. Which, why is why is he asking him that question? Like, is it implied that people know about this relationship between him and Allison? I think, I, you know, in my mind, I just made it up that because it was Sam's partner mm-hmm. that they feel like they have to go through Sam or Nick rather to get uh, to Allison mm-hmm. at this point, you know, like he's yeah. all mm-hmm. of a sudden become her. And also I think they're trying to establish the idea that a lot of men are attracted to Allison. Yeah. Maybe there are a lot of people who have motives for having killed Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, Sam uh, gets his sense of deja vu before he gets to his office uh, as he walks away in disgust. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's thinking that somebody dangerous is in there. Mm-hmm. 
And then yeah. opens the door. Who should be there? Hello, Allison. Yeah. Claudia Christian, Babylon indeed, 5. Indeed, indeed. Babylon 5. She also is in an episode of Highlander. In the last season of Highlander, quick television digression, they tried this thing where they were going to spin the show off with a new lead character, and they decided they wanted it to be a woman. So the last season of Highlander, a lot of people were you know, expecting to get this shortened season, but at least get Adrian Paul in a lot of the episodes. He was really only in about four episodes in the last season. Every single other episode had a new immortal character played by a woman, and one of them was Claudia Christian, whose episode was arguably the best. For whatever reason, they didn't go with her. They decided to go with Elizabeth Grayson, who played Amanda throughout the series of the show Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, And the show was terrible and horrible, and it lasted one season, and then was mercifully canceled, but, you know. Anyway. Well, it freed her up to go into Babylon 5. She'd already right? done Babylon 5. Oh, that was already at yeah, that point. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. She's she, done a lot of work. Looked at her IMDb page. Yeah, written a couple a books, lot. too, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently they're very funny. I've not read them, but apparently they're very funny. Mm-hmm. She, I guess at one time, she uh, had addiction problems and um, uh, went to rehab and, you know, got, got everything sorted out and uh, ended up writing a couple of books afterwards. And I guess, yeah, I guess they're very, very funny and honest and... You know, she seems she seems like a cool person. She does like the convention circuit these days and all that sort of stuff. So, well, I mean, I mean between Quantum Leap and Babylon Five alone, I'm sure she has a lot of right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of says says people uh, on, a, on a Quantum Leap podcast. Um, I say that with love. <laughs> you wouldn't be sitting here otherwise, uh, right? <laughs> mm, so, so yeah, they are. Uh, in his office, I think this is where we get the first oh boy of, of the episode. I believe that is correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and is that like a thing that oh that is a thing that they were starting to establish throughout the first season, mm-hmm. and by two or three episodes or a handful of episodes in the second season, it be kind of become a trademark that every time he leaps into somewhere, he says oh boy, and usually mm-hmm. that it's the last line of every episode because. The end of every episode is always showing right. where he leaps into yeah. Yeah. next. And now he's, yeah, I gotta figure out what's going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, there'd always be some sort of interesting position he would find himself in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, and, 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 and then, and then, predictably and yet still surprisingly, I guess, mm-hmm. she, you know, falls into his arms and mm-hmm. now it's revealed that they've been. Mm-hmm. They've been having a bit of a thing. They've been having a they thing, haven't. but they have. They've been having a thing, but they haven't. They a chased, yeah, version a, a, of a, a thing. Yeah, a similarly chased version, which means like like they just limited to making out, but right. uh, you know, obviously. And she has a line where uh, I can't remember what they talk about, but she has a line where one night in bed, Phil was talking about oh, because he was talking in his sleep. Yeah. Talking about a dropper named Clapper, and she drops oh, you you know Phil and I slept in twin beds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a funny, yeah. funny little assignment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. watch any TV show at the time, and married people always slept in twin beds, so, mm-hmm. you know. Actually, I've, I've, seen, I've seen more than one thing out there that says that, that actually sleeping in separate beds leads to a happy, uh, happy, happy really? marriage. There's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where that is not the case. In fact, they say the exact opposite. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. As a wedding gift, Betsy and I, Betsy and I bought each other a king size bed. Beautiful. And it, is, it is the best gift that we've ever given each other. Yeah, one of these days. Says mm-hmm. your child, of course. King size bed. cuts it right to the heart. Of yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
so anyway, so they, they have this discussion of where uh, where Allison is going to stay now, and she would like to stay with with Nick. And yeah. since Phil is gone, now they can finally finally be together. They can finally consummate their relationship, and then they have a, a, a pretty nice kiss, little makeout session here. Um, and something I, ha- I hadn't noticed in a previous viewing, like during this, she just reaches right into his coat pocket and grabs the keys out of his pocket. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is also where we get that moment too, where after the uh, after the kiss, she walks out and, and Sam looks up to the heavens and says, "Thank, Thank you." you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. She has that great line. Um, oh, what was it? It was something like, "I could never love a man who I thought killed my husband or something." Yeah. I'm like, "Wow, how noble of you!" <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I want, I'm glad that he's gone now, so we can have this. But yeah, well, it's nice that there's a line, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she, so so she leaves. Sam has that thank you moment up to up to the heavens. Uh, he takes off his gun. He puts it in his desk drawer, and that's when he finds a manuscript. And he and he starts reading it, um, and that's when he realizes that it's not deja vu. He's read this book. Yep. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting little twist because even just. Uh, quite honestly, did not make it through the whole episode with me. She didn't fall asleep, but before mm-hmm. that happened, uh, she felt she'd fallen asleep by this point. Mm-hmm. But she'd stayed awake long enough to hear the deja vu stuff. And so she asked me, she's like, "Is this was this going to be like a recurring thing? Like, is he going to like have premonitions now throughout the show?" And I was like, oh, no. "Yeah, that's what I was wondering too." No, mm-hmm. this is it's, this isn't that. But it's funny though because it, it is something that gets played with in other episodes, not him specifically having premonitions necessarily, mm-hmm. but the fact that he has some sort of knowledge or awareness or, you know, it, it gets turned on its ear. There's a couple I, of episodes. I'm, I'm also wondering if if, uh, if him having a deja vu, it's kind of playing with some trope in film noir that I'm not as familiar with. And this just occurred to me because in the film noirish type show that Annie and I were in together, there was yeah. a similar kind of thing. Sure, uh, and the guy who wrote the play, he was obviously very into film noir. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if, if 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 that's playing into a trope that that I'm not quite aware of. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I know that you know, obviously, it, there's a lot of um, you know, memory is something that gets played with a lot in film noir, mm-hmm. um, and but I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know that mm-hmm. there's a that there's there's a um, a film. Um, it might have been even titled Deja Vu. Now I can't remember. Um, well, but apparently the British Film Institute put out an infographic that broke down film noir into its essential elements, and one of those was indeed a sense of deja vu. Ooh, okay. So, so there we go. <laughs> there, there we go. Thanks All to right. the BFI, Thank we now you. know. Yeah. Thank you, BFI. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so we go to commercial break, and we come back, and so uh, Sam is looking over the manuscript. Al appears... I just want to make note about Al's outfit being gray with, like, the shiny uh, buttons up the front. Yes. In seventh grade, I went as Al for Halloween, and my outfit was very much modeled on this particular... Oh, uh, it wasn't an exact copy, but it was it was Wait, very much modeled on... how many people on. knew who you were? Uh, <laughs> me and Mrs. Pringle, mm, nice. who was also a Quantum Leap fan. Uh, and was your teacher, right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, my English teacher, thank you very much. Um, so in this uh, in this conversation, we, we find that, that Sam is starting to fall for 
Allison. He falls. He falls fast. He does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he wants uh, Al to go back and find this this book, um, and, and start to find out what's going on. And he has this line in here about you know who murdered Phil, and he says we've got Clapper. And our response, careful, there was no cure for that in 1953. Right. Not entirely um, true, but, you know, that's all right. That's all right. I, 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 I knew that the clap was an STD. I had to go look up which one. Gonorrhea. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gonorrhea. Yes. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, gonorrhea. And so just stumbling upon why gonorrhea uh, came to be known as the clap, uh, I found a couple of different theories on that. Uh, one is that the clap could be derivative of the French word clapier. Which is brothel. Ah, alright. Or, um, a more widely held belief is that one of the earlier treatments for gonorrhea was uh, clapping or slamming a heavy object, such as a book, onto the penis... To, to force discharge. To force discharge out. If you like to listen to Face Boy Will while you have your morning breakfast in your office, we apologize. Oh, Write us hate mail to at Fate Will, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> the more you know. The, yes, the more you know. Yeah. In this case, the less I know is yeah. um, So anyway, so Sam gives Al the directive to go back and find this book because he can't remember how it ended. Uh, and we find that the name of the manuscript right now uh, is Dead Men Don't Die. Dead men don't die. And, and they make the joke that, yeah, probably wasn't published under that thing. But you know what? Bob Fisher, who wrote the play that we were in, I bet you he would write a play called Dead Men Don't Die. <laughs> it actually does legitimately sound like a play. He would not blame. I mean, the, the, the film noirish play that we were in together was called uh, Devils Don't Forget. Oh, well, there you have it. Uh, <laughs> Devils so, Don't Forget. Yeah, which is not too far removed from Dead, Dead Men Don't, don't die. die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, going back to mm-hmm. going back to the whole uh, Casablanca thing, though, too. Though it's the idea that you know, film titles like Out of the Past and Double Indemnity, and you know, and all these wonderful other. It's like Touch of Evil. You know, those were those were fresh popping film titles right. you know, in the in the late forties, early fifties. Nowadays, you look at that, and it's like, oh, is that really? Uh, is that, that? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so as we pull away from the scene, like there's a. There's a wider shot of the office, and I just have noticed in the background, Nick Allen has a framed newspaper of of Dillinger yeah. being killed. Yep. Dillinger killed. Uh, and I looked it up. That was not the New York Times headline okay. that day. Um, but it was just interesting that Nick Allen decided yeah. to have Wasn't that Dillinger framed in his office. Wasn't Dillinger killed in Chicago? He was, yeah. in front of the yeah. biograph. That's right. The, which would have been in 1934. Hmm. 19 years before this episode. Yeah. Uh, it, it is interesting. That, um, but I noticed that, too. I noticed that, too. I, I, you know, it's just a little cool mm-hmm. nod, I guess, to his crime-fighting job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. The art designer on this episode, if they ever tune in, will be very pleased to hear that we were talking the, the, about that. That we caught, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that we caught that. Yeah. Uh, that we caught that there. Um, so I think, yeah, from there we go to, uh, I think, a commercial break. Or no, no, no. Uh, from there, he decides to, he's going to be sliding out and leaving. Uh, we have this nice moment as he's leaving the office, he tries on different hats. And the first hat he tries on 
is it's, it's not his. Actually, he puts Phil's, it back on. Yeah. He goes Phil's. Yeah. Uh, and so again, we, we've talked about before, like how how do other people's clothes fit on Sam? What do sure. what do people see? What do what does he feel? And so that yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting how uh, Nick's hat just fits very easily on his head. Yes, yes, it does. Um, do we do we talk about also in the in in the book, uh, knowing that the, that this is all coming from a book that. Um, you know, Sam finds out that, you know, because he, his memory of the book that Nick and Allison were deeply in love, mm-hmm. that um, uh, they were too loyal to Phil act on their feelings, and mm-hmm. that yes. he, he believes that he's got to find a killer so that they can live happily ever after. Um, so he asks Al to locate a copy of it in the future, but like you were saying, it didn't get published under that title, so mm-hmm. Al's going to have some difficulty finding that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's leaving the office, and uh, when he leaves the office, Seymour stops him. Mm-hmm. Um, and tells him that uh, a friend gave him a tip. Yeah, uh, something about the the blue, blue island. The, the blue island. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting that uh, Seymour asks Sam if he has his gun, and Sam comments that no, the police have it. Yeah, and we just saw it. Sam put it in the put it put it in his desk. Yeah, uh, and so this is in the in the Matt Dale trivia book. It's noted as a goof. Mm. But in the novelization of this episode, yeah. which there was, which was more widely released. Actually, I don't, think it, ever, it was, I don't think it was yeah. ever officially released in the U- U.S. It was, no. uh, it was released in the U.K. Um, in the novelization, they make it more clear that Sam is lying to Seymour when he says the yeah. cops have his gun. Kind of makes you wonder, just Sam, is Sam not comfortable with the idea of carrying a gun? Or is trying to figure out... Who he can trust in this mm-hmm. world? Yeah, it is interesting because it's not. I mean, it's, it, he carried a gun in double identity. You know, mm-hmm. um, we'll see him with a gun again mm-hmm. later on. Yeah, but so, but, anyway, uh, yeah, so anyway. but anyway, so as they're having this conversation, yep. uh, Sam almost gets Rosalind Shade. What? That's a reference <laughs> Sam gets, and a reference Annie does again. Sam is sitting over here cracking up. <laughs> Harrison, Harrison, gets Harrison. Harrison gets it. That's my boy. Uh, so Rosalind Shay was a character on the TV series L.A. Law. Okay. And I don't know what led to the character getting killed off, but the character was eventually killed Yay. off of the show, and the way they killed her off was she was talking with another colleague and elevator doors open. She goes a step on the elevator. The elevator's not there and she falls down the elevator shaft. Yeah. That, and, that's how they very unceremoniously killed Rosalind Shea off of L.A. Law. Because it was very... Cause it, but the, oh. the thing is, is it's like, and you can even see the clip of it on YouTube, is, is it's so low-key. She's literally just having a regular old conversation with yeah, somebody. They, they don't, the, elevator, they, the elevator dings, the doors open, and she just like turns around and, you know, and is like waving goodbye and just... Yeah, it's almost it's almost funny. You know, yeah. it's almost they, they, they don't shoot it in a way to telegraph that something bad's about to happen. She just falls down. So did something like happen with the actress where they're like, "We need to get this chick off the show"? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's a really <laughs> good question, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway. It's the same actress who played Dr. Pulaski on yeah, the second Diana season Moldar, of uh, yeah. on the second season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yep. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, Sam almost gets Rosalind Shade, but he catches himself. Um, Pulls himself back up. He turns around to say something to Seymour, and it turns out Seymour has passed out. Is that what happened? I was so confused. I was yeah. like, why is he all of a sudden like on the floor asleep? Mm. 
I, you know, and, and for a minute, I can even remember like thinking, did you know, did somebody knock him out? Like, yeah, if, you know, did somebody was... knock him out to try to finish the job on Sam, or you know, but yeah, I, I've always just taken it as he just got so overwhelmed by the by the excitement, he just yeah passed out. And well, it's it's odd though because they don't ever really talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it seems very convenient because the thing that the episode does, and it's like it it almost forces its hand when when trying to make you suspicious of everyone. Like, even, like, you turn around and you yeah. see Seymour, like, passed out on the wall with no explanation. It's like, wait a minute, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. there are times in this episode when you think, like, Seymour might be behind some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and I, I don't know. I just, doesn't hold up. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? How do you feel? Um, so anyway, so we have the scene back in where uh, Lionel and Chuck are back on the scene, and Chuck yeah. is saying, like, this, this shouldn't happen. The elevator door shouldn't open. Um, uh, uh, unless the elevator is there. And, yeah, and the uh, safety latch is broken, according to safety latch to is broken, and, yeah. Uh, or I think Lionel may say that, and then Chuck says, well, I told you, it's, it's an old elevator, it needs to be serviced, so... Right, well, and Lionel gets mad and blames it on blames it all on Chuck, mm-hmm. and you know, says it's his fault, because he's not doing his job monitoring yeah. the lift and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then Seymour, and then, again, this is one of those things where it just feels like they're just, like, kind of just really pushing it on us because Seymour's like oh you know I'm sorry and mm-hmm. I've, I've always been a jinx clutch, yeah. yeah and it's just sort of like uh, I don't know mm-hmm. and then of course though Seymour tells us a little sweet bit about you know being raised in an orphanage yeah. mm-hmm. and when he was a kid and... mm-hmm. well I mean Seymour is basically like a caricature yeah in this episode mm-hmm. yeah which they talk about which he um Sam references later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Be like, nobody could possibly be as nerdy, nerdy, nerdy? dorky, yeah, dopey, nerdy. wussy, yeah. wussy. Yeah. yeah, he just like goes down the. Goes I was like, down okay, the well, at least I'm like not <laughs> not alone in this. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. not alone in this thinking. Uh, but anyway, so they, uh, Nick and Seymour, or Nick as Sam and Seymour, going down the stairs, and that's when they run into uh, Allison. And Seymour has a line of, of basically like like Nick is great or Nick is awesome. I can't remember exactly what the line is, uh, but when they get but Seymour says, you know, you, you know, you're Nick Allen. You're the best. That's it. You're Nick Allen. You're the best. They get to the bottom of the stairs, and Allison says, "That's what I've always said." And she's in this. Yeah, she's in this very she stunning a, dress. I think we get another. We get a joint. Oh boy, from. From Sam and Seymour. Seymour, And then we have this scene where they argue about whether or not it's safe to go to the Blue Island or not. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in reruns, in syndication, this scene is cut out. Oh, really? Okay. In reruns, it goes from uh, Allison saying, that's what I've always said, and there's just this nice crossfade to them dancing at the Blue Island. And... Typically, I'm a completionist, and I like I want to see all the scenes. But yeah. that, like watching that scene where they're arguing about whether or not it's safe to go to the Blue Island, I'm like, this is such a time filling, pointless scene. Yeah. Why is it here? It's one of those moments. Like, no, it's much better when they just do the crossfade and they cut straight to the Blue Island. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I have a hard time really putting my finger on it, but there, there. There are some issues with this episode, and I think that that might be revealing in and of itself, you know, with the fact that you didn't need that moment, and you could have gone just straight to the Blue Island, and it would have been fine, Mm -hmm. you know, would have have quickened the pace, obviously, and gotten us there, and, you know, take, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was was odd that they kept 
Well, they kept talking about the Blue Island and the Blue Island, and mm-hmm. then like it turns out the Blue Island nothing it didn't even really matter in the right. start like, at all. Right. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was a nice set piece. Set piece, it was yeah, cool right, yeah. It's just uh, that the episode, like I said, the episode sometimes it feels like it just can't decide whether it wants to be this sort of farcical parody of film noir or if it wants to be film mm-hmm. noir, and 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 that takes me out of it on occasion, you know. Yeah, there are some great moments, and then there are some moments where you're just sort of like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> Blue Island, Blue Island. So they're they're dancing, and and Sam has this voiceover where you know he, he doesn't really he doesn't know. You know what to believe, whether if Allison is being so close to him because she wants to feel safe and protected, or right, maybe she's, she's the killer, killer. And, and she's keeping a close watch on him, and and yet he's so like he fights so much against that notion. Anytime, yeah, you know, Al like brings he's it like up so unwilling to believe yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we'll come to that moment here in a second. So yeah, he looks over, he spots Al conducting, conducting the man. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, yeah like uh, Which is a fun moment and so he, he sits Allison down with Seymour so Seymour can bore her to death with <laughs> with stories of Tommy Trueblood uh, which I looked up is not an actual sure. series yeah. at all. When I googled that I got a lot of hits for for the TV series mm-hmm. Trueblood. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there, apparently there's cool. a character of Tommy on there. I, yeah. Um, so, uh, so we have this scene of, of Sam sitting in the bar and Al talking. It turns out the, this book that Sam read was a was a murder contest books yeah, that were like really big in the fifties. And Al says it so nonchalantly that I've always just taken it for granted. Like, oh, I guess this is a, kind of a weird, creepy thing that they did. Yeah. But but looking it up, no, couldn't find anything. Yeah, I, if these things existed, they've been completely lost to. Uh, they've been completely lost to history, and there's nothing on the on the internet Interesting. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, I, I I would not have a hard time believing that they existed, mm-hmm. but I guess if there's no evidence. Well, was it was it supposed to be that the, the crimes were real? And the, they were... the the crimes were unsolved mysteries, right? And they kind of novelized uh, the story. Uh, and if you could figure out who the who murderer was, was yeah. and I guess if you provided a tip or you figured something out, right. you got a $10,000 prize. Which is funny because there's also that moment where, you know, Sam's like, did anybody figure it out? And Al's like, yeah, you know, they guessed everybody from the Pope to Joseph Stalin or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but most people guessed it was Allison. Allison. Yeah. Yeah. And he notices that the title of the book is called Who Killed Grimsley and Alan. Yeah, Grimsley and Alan. Um, well, I will say, though, that I do have some, some vague recollection of, um, you know, they were really popular right up there with, with like, you know, your comic books or whatever, but there were all these sort of, like, trashy, pulpy <gasps> kind of uh, crime magazines, and they did do that. They did mm-hmm. have, like, mm-hmm. you know, they'd run real crime stories, real, you know, stories, and then ask you to, like, figure it out. And, of course, I mean, it was so laughable to think that anybody would be able to figure it out from a right. short write-up in a Magazine for sure, or whatever. you know. But now we do have the show Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries, and it, and it just occurred to me probably the the closest modern day equivalent. It's it's not a contest or asking people to write in, yeah. but it certainly invites for input and invites for the audience to to be a part of the story. Is serial? Yeah, uh, the, yeah that's true. The the first season. Well, God, any of those like 
I mean, and they've gotten so bad and salacious, but like the, the, the 48 hours or the datelines or like any of those sorts of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, these days they've got Rescue like... Rescue 911 well, starring William Shatner. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But that was like, you know, reenactments and stuff. But no, I mean, like these days, if you watch Dateline or 48 hours and they do like their mystery of the week thing, they, you know, they'll give you all the details of these horrible crimes that have happened and interview all these people. And nowadays, because of social media, they'll ask for like your opinion and they'll come back with an infographic of like, you know, 43% of our uh, viewers mm-hmm. on Twitter think that blah 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 was responsible for the murder and it's like my favorite what? are when they ask for like a Facebook reaction they're yeah. like give us an angry face if you think she did it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Us, you know yeah it's like oh god this really? is this is the world in which we live do you think yeah. Jesus did it type amen <laughs> I, may, I, may be, I may be mixing some uh, mixing something up total tangent there was a uh, a family in my hometown that was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, man. Uh, a did they guy, solve it? Uh, <laughs> they, they did, but it's a really creepy way the way they solved it. So in the late 1980s, a guy from my hometown, he, he actually grew up in my church. His parents went to my church. Uh, he was uh, murdered walking to his car one night in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, man. Hmm. He was murdered like as he was getting into his vehicle mm-hmm. and he worked for uh, some music magazine in Nashville Okay, and it was featured on Unsolved Mysteries nothing was solved from there then about 8-10 years later somebody on his deathbed wanting to clear his conscience revealed Ooh. the reason why he was killed and it turns out uh, this guy had uncovered uh, this entire scheme where record companies were paying to get their songs placed on the Billboard charts, and he was about to blow the whistle. Mm. Wow. And somebody hired the person who was on his deathbed who eventually confessed, somebody hired this guy to kill him to keep him from blowing the whistle. Paola, man. It's <sighs> a killer. Yeah. Anyway... So, but who killed Grimsley and yeah, Alan and Alan, is the yeah. book. And so, like Annie was saying, like, Al is kind of needling at Sam about, like, I think yeah. letting your, your judgment get clouded here. Right, right. And, well, and, and it's crazy because Al even comes up with, like, this theory, which, again, you know, I feel like they've kind of tried to force upon us a little bit about how Allison you know, was responsible for the murders and that she and Seymour run off together mm-hmm. uh, at LaGuardia. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like... Which uh, even then, okay. like, uh, like in the writing of the episode, like, they don't... Uh, they don't even try to, to play that that could be a realistic scenario. Yeah. At all. Because while this is going on, they keep cutting back to Allison and Seymour and... Seymour is just boring the crap out yeah. of Allison. But the thing is, like, he's boring the crap out of her, but not in a... Creepy malicious way, way yeah. not a malicious way. Like right. you never really get the idea that Seymour is going to kidnap, right, Allison. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I kept waiting for like Seymour to take his glasses off and be like this huge babe, and then it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, they're going to get on a plane and they're going to go to wherever together. He stands up. No, he does happen. the Christopher Reeve, you know, mm-hmm. or like <laughs> the shoulders. As he is, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Brushes his hair back. Right. Right. But there, uh, but uh, so yeah, there is this thing where Al tells Sam, like, I think your judgment's getting clouded, um, and and 
uh, or your you, you know your instincts are getting clouded. I can't remember how he says it, but Sam. He says your Sam, hormones are, are you, you're using your hormones to guise your your, your thinking, your instinct, or something. Yeah. And, and Sam is out saying something about your instincts, and Sam says your instincts got you married five times. And I was like, oh, that your Swiss cheese brain remembers. Well, let me tell you something, pal. You haven't been getting any lately, and that's when Sam fires back. Don't compare to me to to yourself. I think with my brain, I don't cloud my judgment with a bottle. Okay, that, I didn't think I didn't think the five times thing got brought up yet. I'm pretty. I, I think because yeah. it noted because like I think this is the first time because like they make allusion to Al's ex-wives before and you don't know how many he has and I think this is the first time they made it clear that Al has been married five times. five times. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, and it's just like I usually the language of quantum leap doesn't just come flat out and say you haven't been getting any lately. Yeah, that seems like such a very. Uh, blunt line, like out of character for the show overall. It just kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, Doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I. It, it's it's an interesting little blow up between the two of them, mm-hmm. you know. And clearly, Sam is very taken with Allison, and and it's something that you know I, I certainly took um, note of that you know Sam is smitten with Allison. It's interesting that he's so drawn in by mm-hmm. her. Um, yeah, she doesn't really even like. Say that much? No. Right? Sudden, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, it's oh, one man, of those things where where everybody like you just have to to take the context of everybody's lines of how attractive and how much she draws everybody in. Yeah. Without really doing the work of writing her as a necessarily right compelling character yeah. outside of her looks. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's you know again I think that you know Claudia Christian has enough. Sort of depth, you know. There's enough going on. Yeah, she's on. a lot of charisma. Though. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, it works, that, but right. But it is still very much a case of sort of like she doesn't get a lot else. You know, she's yeah. not getting a lot of help from mm-hmm. the writers on, on being this like say compelling, interesting character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like this blow up that Sam and Al have. It's the first time we've seen uh, since the pilot where they reference how much Al drinks. Yeah, that's because in true. the pilot he shows up in virtually every scene either drunk or hungover and this is the first time it's brought up again and aside from one episode like in the fourth season like this is this is the last time it's brought up how much Al drinks yeah which I think is something that they thankfully they kind of eventually drop off yeah, I, well, I mean, it, it does get brought up a few other times throughout the, the the show but you're right it's not something that they yeah, it's not something that's constantly hammered at you that you know Sam's or that Al rather is a uh, is a drunkard by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Al handles it kind of gracefully, uh, and he and he parts ways. He's like, hey, you know, just a bit of advice: don't know, don't go near Laguardia because that's where you're supposed to be killed. Right. You know who Al kind of reminds me of is that one actor who can't think of his name, but he's on Chicago Fire, and he was, like, a Scientologist, and he's been on, like, the Leah Remini documentaries. Mm-mm. Do you know who I'm talking about? I have that no guy, idea. He's, like, the really gravelly voice. Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> I think I do know how you're talking about, because I yeah. think he was on Californication for a few episodes, actually. He's, he's been um, on a lot of stuff. Um, I just know him from the Scientology thing. <laughs> 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 Chicago Fire. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta look it up. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. So after uh, Al disappears, like, Sam has this, like, moment of introspection where, yeah, it's like, you know, why do we hurt people for telling us the truth? 
And he said, but he admits that, that Al is right, that Allison has them all turned around. And I can't remember the exact way he puts it, but he throws out a simile worthy of Seymour. And he's like, oh, God, I'm talking like Seymour now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have this moment where he walks by the band with the drinks and he's mistaken for, for bogey. And they start playing and this yeah. time goes by. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and Sam just has this great moment of like, I'm not. I, uh, did, 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 did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they step outside, uh, a thunderstorm is starting, Seymour says he's going to go over on Madison to catch a cab, and this gives uh, Sam and Allison a moment to have a little have a little snuggle time. Right. Um, he goes off to, to find a cab himself, he gets shot at, the neon sign blows up in his cheek, so he gets a little cut on his cheek. Yep. Um, then they have another little makeup moment, and then Seymour finally pulls up in the taxi, and this whole thing kind of kind of throws out the idea: was Seymour delayed getting the taxi because because, yeah. because right. he was the one taking a shot at him? Right. Yeah, you know, and again, it's interesting because again, I don't think it's anything that I wasn't expecting that this would be thrown out there at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Just from yeah. you know the way that that, that that I don't know that everything else has been kind of. Anybody well, could be guilty, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I feel like they, the, the way the show was written, or the episode was written, is that they have, they, they keep pointing you to a couple specific people, like to Allison and to Seymour, mm-hmm. but then the person who it actually ends up being, I didn't notice them pointing the finger towards him at all, which yeah. maybe we'll talk about later, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, absolutely, yeah. we will, but you're right, you're absolutely right, yeah. It, it, it is interesting that there is this sort of thought that it could be anybody, and yet at the same time... Uh, it, it's yeah. We're we're being given the spotlight on these other two yeah. characters. You know, Allison seem more particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so they uh, they get into the cab, mm-hmm. and Seymour just keeps laying the similes on heavy. Uh, yeah. And this is when Sam finally blows up. We have the moment we were talking about earlier, like no one yeah. can be as nerdy as you. And they look at him like nerdy. What nerdy? Yeah. yeah, dorky, dweeby, wussy. wussy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is when Sam's like, he's got to figure out he's not going to be uh, uh, Philip Marlowe, the name he throws out, Humphrey Bogart, or Thomas, Thomas Magnum. Magnum. Yeah. And they're like, who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is also a hat tip to the same guy who created Quantum Leap, also created Magnum P.I. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't watch that show either. Mm. <laughs> and that was what, and that's, and it's interesting because they also establish in another later episode, Magnum P.I., the TV show does exist in the quantum, re- yeah. in the quantum leap realm. Right. Um, so but did they ever have like crossover episodes? There, funny that you should mention Funny you should mention. Oh, oh, there okay. was, uh, there was going to be an episode in the last season. They were going to have Sam leap into Magnum and it just... It, it didn't come together yeah, for some reason. Never, never they even like did like a like a test filming of, of Sam looking at the camera and giving Thomas Magnum's famous like eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just didn't. Uh, there was one story going around that that Tom Selleck didn't want to do it, like no. they, like be the mirror image basically. And Tom Selleck like he denied like ever having known anything about it. So hmm. yeah, maybe Tom Selleck's agent didn't want him to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was he really doing at the time but, mm-hmm. you know. yeah. speaking of crossovers it was Chicago PD mm-hmm. and his name is Jason Beghee I could be pronouncing that wrong but anyway oh no no Chica- he, he's the lead yeah he's the lead of Chicago PD yeah he actually pops up in a later uh, very iconic episode of Quantum Leap 
Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's true. Mm-hmm. And then he took... Uh, he told me it's as, like, Al's alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but he, he shows up as a, as a somewhat minor character, uh, okay. a supporting character mm-hmm. in that episode. Uh, and then he quit acting for 25 years, and then he came back as the lead in Chicago PD. Yeah. I, I or Chicago Fire. No, he's... Those shows are so well, interchangeable well, to me. Yeah, right. All, no, I think... No, I, th- I think you're right in that um, Chicago Fire was the first one that started, yeah. and, oh, and, and then, then Chicago PD spun right, off yeah, of it. So I'm sure he did a couple guest starring episodes on yeah. Fire before going to PD. Well, like I said, right before that, like literally right before that, he w- he'd done a few episodes on a season of Californication. Oh, uh, okay. Quite, quite hilarious as a, as a nice foil for... David Duchovny's lead. lead I would lo- I would love to see him in, in something else because he, he doesn't he doesn't have much to do in the episode of Quantum Leap that yeah. he's in. Yeah. Uh, but in Chicago PD, it, it's such a stylized thing where he's down here yeah. and he talks like this. Oh yeah. And they so badly want him to be Mike Chiklis from The Shield. Yeah. But it's NBC, so he can't. They can't do. So yeah. he <laughs> so he can't be Mike Chiklis from The Shield. Like sometimes they allude to the things that he used to do. Or might do, yeah, uh, to get his but way. He never and, that but, line. but he never crosses that line because it's NBC yeah. and not FX. Yeah, sure. Mm. Well, and you know, they they get cooperation from the city of Chicago that they might not otherwise get should they decide to. For instance, oh god, yeah. One of the things that the Shield had to do, uh, a lot of people might not know, is that because the LAPD was so upset, is yeah, they had to have the, they wear the badge on the opposite side of their chest mm-hmm. um, because they wouldn't allow to distance them to, themselves yeah, as much as because yeah. they they like, threatened them with like lawsuits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to Quantum Leap. Uh, <laughs> yes. Seymour's so, feelings are hurt. He's, so he's, he's kind of so, devastated by so, this. So Sam stops by his office basically to, to get his gun, yep. most importantly, but also grab uh, grab a hat and coat for Allison on the way out. Screening and everything. Yeah. Wait, uh, how did he retrieve his hat? Because it fell down the elevator shaft. Was that ever um, shown in the episode? Because he has it for the rest of the episode. I think, because uh, yeah, it falls down the elevator shaft, and then I think there's a little bit of a show, like, somehow Chuck got it out of the out of the shaft the later shaft. on. Because I think he's getting his hat handed back to him uh, in the scene immediately following him almost falling down the elevator shaft. Okay. I think. Uh, but he's getting, he's getting the other hat and coat for Allison. Okay. Uh, so he walks back out, and Seymour's back at his newsstand, and Seymour's just going to... Yeah, he's very sad. He's 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 very crying. His glasses are broken again. Yeah, his glasses pop out again, and that's what causes Sam to turn around. And this is another interesting moment. Sam lights a cigarette and starts smoking. Yeah. And uh, Betsy and I were watching it together. She was like, does Sam smoke? No. And I'm like... In the episode immediately prior to this, he spits one out in disgust. Yeah, Yeah. and and like in a later episode, like he's pretty anti-smoking. Oh, yeah. And and this one, just because, you know, they're they're leaning so heavily into into the genre, he just... Right, Lights up. which I, I do. I feel like had this episode come later in the run, mm-hmm. that it, it you know that that would not have happened. They would have. They would have. They, they would have. Yeah. They yeah. Played with that somehow. Exactly. They would have played with it a different way because the, I think once you know once the character is really truly truly established, which is going to happen soon enough, mm-hmm. I think that they would usually mold situations within an episode to fit the character as opposed to allowing the character to just fit any situation. Mm-hmm. And in the first season, there's a lot of times when I feel like they use Sam as a cipher to just kind of fit into any situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 to me, the show doesn't work that way. The show works much better. When when Sam is Sam, and the situations you know are dictated by his actions, right. as opposed to the other way around. That was actually a question that I had 
in regards to like the personality of the per- of the body that he's inhabiting, like how much of that he takes on himself. Because the episode, you know, I felt like he did take on some of the personality traits, but then others were just be- him being him. So yeah. it seemed like a little bit of half and half. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a very valid question because there are some episodes in, in the run of the show where they do play around with that, where yeah. there are like bits and pieces of the other person that kind of Sam mm-hmm. takes on. Especially his last season, they lean into that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. We'll talk more about that. Well, the, yeah, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, so, um, so yeah, he apologizes. They make up. Yeah. So while all this is going on, a taxi pulls up behind the taxi that Allison is waiting in, and they cut back. Sam and Seymour are walking out. Seymour wants to come along. Sam says, "Okay, on two conditions: one, you you, you listen to my instructions to the letter; two, go get a raincoat." And the raincoat thing is just clear, like he's planning on. Ditching Seymour just to keep him safe. Yeah. He walks out, and then we get this nice shot where we see someone getting in the taxi, and we think it's Sam, but then the taxi pulls away, and Sam walks out. And yeah. So who got into the taxi with Allison? Right. Giving Seymour time to catch up. Yep. And then, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, they realize that they've got to go after it because mm-hmm. Sam is pretty sure that the killer is, is in that cab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and at this point, I think he's finally starting to give into the, the notion that Allison could indeed be, if not the killer in league with the killer. killer sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's great because we get this nice moment in the cab on the way to LaGuardia where Al shows up mm-hmm. and, and uh, Sam kind of does this dual, dual conversation. Apology. Apology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he, he's even, I think he says to Seymour at one point that he's hurt two friends tonight or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he takes the opportunity to, you know, make up with both of them. And of course, Al is very concerned, though, that he's going to LaGuardia. He's like, please tell me you're not going, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where's this cab headed? And mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, you know, it's interesting because now all the, Sam seems a lot more serious, I think after getting shot at (laughs) (laughs) that he had prior to that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Not that he'd been like the goofy Sam that we get in in other first season episodes or whatever, but I just think that now all of a sudden there's like this sort of very serious kind of like, Oh, I could wind up dead. Yeah. He has much more hard boiled. Yes. That's a possibility in the realm of this universe that he could die in somebody else's body. Yeah. Yes. It has not been, you know, and this is one of those things that I'm okay with us talking about because I think it, because it's a conceit of the whole show, but it's not been firmly established yet, but it will be that it's actually his physical presence that is leaping, even though he does, you know, he takes on the appearance of the other person. It's mm-hmm. technically like his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is surrounded um, by the aura of the person yeah. that he's leaping to. So, so he can, he can be hurt and he can, you know, he can die. Yeah. And that's something that Bella's... hurt. <laughs> and that's something that Belisario even I think cops to early on as well like he was asked that question and he was like no Sam could die yeah um, like he set it up like if Sam leaps into someone with a broken leg Sam doesn't have a broken leg mm-hmm. but if Sam gets his leg broken during a leap Sam has a broken leg yeah okay um so yeah, and at this point, of course, you know Sam admits to Al that like yeah, maybe you're right, maybe Allison mm-hmm. did it. Yeah, um, and then they have this scene where uh, Sam and Seymour are about to split up, and and Sam throws out the word, "If you eyeball my main squeeze," and I can't remember what the rest of the thing is, but main squeeze is a term that Seymour has not yeah heard before. Yeah, and after Seymour walks away, Sam and Al have this moment where Al is like, I, "I'm just trying to figure out how 
in 20 years, main squeeze gets from Seymour to where, wherever it ends up going. He said, like, I, I went back and I, I could not figure out what Al says in that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't catch it either. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, what did mm-hmm. say? I should watch what the caption's on. But um, but anyway, so now they are in the, the terminal for LaGuardia, and Sam's cover is blown by a kid uh, mistaking him for Bogey. Yeah. And did you get who this kid was supposed to be? No. Who's he supposed it's to be? It's not very clear. Woody Allen. What? Yeah. Yeah. How did they how did they leap there? <laughs> uh, okay, well I guess I could I could see that now. But why Woody Allen? Well, there's so there's a, a Woody Allen play called Play Against, Against Sam, Sam. Um, where the main character talks with like the ghost of Humphrey Bogart in order to get like confidence and that sort of stuff, which oh, the, wow. the kid okay. even says at one point, he's like, you know, in my dreams, I talk to you or, you know, sometimes I it's talk a- to you in my bedroom at night or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and of course, you know, the, his mother's given him all sorts of a hard mm. time and he has a couple of like Woody Allen-esque mannerisms right, down there. Right. But, uh, now thinking back, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But, but this, where we see that, uh, Lionel is, also in the terminal mm-hmm. in a hiding, wearing a wearing a hat and a trench coat, and Seymour runs into him. Lionel, what are you doing here? And that's when Lionel pulls a gun and escorts Seymour mm-hmm. out. Meanwhile, Al has gone off to the ladies' room to look for Allison. Yeah, because somebody's got to do it. That's right, exactly. Um, and and yeah, so we get this. Um, uh, Oh, the, and the end of that Woody Allen moment I just wanted to go back to real quick is, is mm-hmm. very funny to me because uh, the, the women blame Woody Allen for scaring Bogey off because, mm-hmm. you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I gotta go, I gotta go. And, and then they all get, like, mad at him and, like, his mother, like, actually, like, slaps him or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, easily mm-hmm. plays into all the neuroses that, mm-hmm. you know, that he and his characters would have yeah. for years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Seymour's been forced out and, 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 um, so now we get into the gunfight. Yeah. And this such is, as it is, this is a really cool moment because Al like plays a big part into, mm-hmm. you know, helping Sam through this. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I really like the way that it's done. Cause it's not something that we see a lot of prior to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. in the pilot, you know, he helps Sam, uh, with the fly the plane and that sure. sort of stuff. And it also, but, it also follows the trend that I've pointed out before of Al showing up about two minutes after <laughs> after he really should have shown up. He just launched along like, hey, oh, there's a gunfight. What's going on? Where is he? What's going on? Uh, and I put out a moment on social media asking people their favorite moments. And uh, uh, Rachel Rosen, who's the co-host of another Quantum Leap podcast, Back to the Future, she also threw out like she really likes this moment of yeah. of, of Al fully, used, fully using his abilities as a hologram right. to... And yes. it's great, too, because he's, like, insulting Lionel as Lionel's, mm-hmm. like, shooting through him. I mean, obviously, he doesn't see Al standing there, but, like, the bullets are, like, firing right. through Al, and, mm-hmm. you know, and Al's like, ah, you couldn't hit, you know, it's just... It, uh, it's you couldn't fun. hit an elephant in a tunnel. Yeah, there yeah. you and go. He, yeah, the, the food in his mustache. But also, they have a nice moment of uh, Lionel is suffocating Seymour, and he's saying, like, Allison and I just want to be together. You have to face the truth. She never loved you. And then, in the background, like... Because I knew it was coming out, I was watching for it. Like in the background, you can see Allison's yeah. silhouette, yeah, sitting there, and then the camera slowly pans in, and you can see she's she's like bound and gagged, gagged. yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, and then finally, like you know, he runs out of bullets, 
and 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 Al is very much like Sam. You got to get here. You got to get here. He's reloading. He's reloading. You know, he's like, "Where are you? Where are you?" And all of a sudden, you see Sam's hand like from up from underneath the gun. Yeah, yeah with the gun. Like, <laughs> don't even think about it, your mug. Yeah, and then that's another opportunity for Al to say, "That's Edward G. G. Robinson." Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then we get the arrest. Lionel mm-hmm. is carted off, and now mm-hmm. we have our um, you know our, our uh, real Casablanca moment. Yeah. yeah, but there is a line where. Where Allison is looking after Lionel and wonders, like, how could I turn him on so much and not realize it? <laughs> and, and, and Sam, Such a great line. Scott Bakula just has this look on his face like, are, are you serious? Do you, not, do you not get how hot you are? Yeah. Um, and so they, they are going to get on the plane. They have two tickets to somewhere, tickets that Phil bought before he died. And Allison admits that it's kind of... Wait, it was Phil? I thought it was the dude that kidnapped her. What's his name? Lionel. Oh, Lionel, Lionel. that's right. Oh, you're right. You are right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That that makes a lot more sense. Um, Yeah, because she talks about, oh, his poor soul. Like, I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. I feel bad for him Mm -hmm. and whatnot. That's right. Makes a lot more sense. Anyway, so they're going to go over to Lionel was taking him. Yeah, and, and, and now we get this great, you know, where, where um, uh, um, Sam is excited because he's going to get on this plane with Allison, and they're going to mm. go off and, you know, be be happy. There's another thing, like, like, where does Sam think this is going? Yeah. Like, usually, like, every episode, like, he knows, like, as soon as he accomplishes the thing, he's going to leap. Like, what? And Al has to reinforce, he's like, you know, no, you're here. For, no. Yeah, you're, not, you're not getting on this plane. And, mm. you know, and... Uh, and then you know he quotes the line from Casablanca, mm. and you know maybe not today, and maybe not, but no, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, and then they walk out, and mm. Seymour's you know it, it stops him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Allison goes to get on the plane, yeah, um, but they have this yeah they have this great moment where where Seymour realizes like I think up until that point like he really wanted to live yeah. the gumshoe life, and right. Like now like having gone through it in this last few hours, he's like. Like, like, I don't oh, want to do this. Just much more fun to, to read about it. Then offhand, Sam just says, or write about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that lights the fire. For Seymour. And Seymour walks off, like, narrating this last scene. And yeah. I was like, you are here to launch a new pulp novelist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he turns around and, mm-hmm. and gets, uh, gets another look at, at Allison mm-hmm. as she's boarding the plane. And then, uh. I like how she also mentions that it's a sleeper plane. It's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's a, yeah. That's right. Okay. Oh, man. And then, uh, and then uh, unfortunately for Sam, he does indeed leap out. Now, here's something interesting, however. Mm-hmm. He leaps into a woman in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Uh, Someone in a bathtub. That's right. You only, yeah. Someone in a bathtub. Well, right. But you find out by the end of the mm-hmm. uh, the, the scene that yeah, but, he's leapt into a woman. Mm-hmm. Um but what happens is this is not at all the next episode that we see. Mm-hmm. So, quick piece of trivia is that What Price Gloria was indeed going to be the next episode aired the uh, as the season two premiere. It had already been shot as a part of the season one block, but they were going to air it as the season two premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, because of everything that had happened in the meantime, um, and I think this kind of is something that we'll talk more about next week, uh, Belisario writes this other episode 
kind of addressing some of the issues that he was even having with the network about making sure that Quantum Leap could continue. Mm. Um, they figured it was a much better, much stronger opener for mm-hmm. the season. Went with that, and the leap out that we get here, What Price Gloria, would not actually air until Dennis the fourth, fourth episode yeah, of the second yeah. season. Um, and, and it's really one of the very, very few times that something like that happens. Um, now, in syndication... It, it was all over the place. But yeah, they would they would change the leap outs at a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, yeah, in this instance, it was actually a case of them doing the leap out and it not end up being the leap out at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's the end of the first season. That is the end of the. And first I'm season. I'm curious to know, like, I don't know, like, when the last episode aired, whether they absolutely knew whether or not the show had been picked up for a second season. Or if it was still on the bubble. That's a very, very good question. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that either. It's probably a piece of information that is in the wonderful book by Matt Dale, Beyond mm-hmm. the Mirror Image. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's also weird because, like, uh, played against Seymour. Like, even though it's a very genre-heavy episode, it's also a very regular episode. And every other season of Quantum Leap. Ends with more, like more a ends ends with more of a bang, yeah. uh, if not a cliffhanger, um, at least yeah, it, it, it ends in a way um, like you know that either Sam or Al's lives personally have been more deeply affected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, than just your regular leap. You know, it does say actually, just reading real quick and beyond the mirror image, it does say that it came as a bit of a surprise to the cast and crew that they that they did get the second season. But it doesn't say that it was necessarily like they thought they were going to be canceled. It just that mm. they were surprised that they got it. The other interesting thing is, is not only did they get the second season, but the second season would actually start in September as opposed to October, which is something that wasn't normal either. So it was kind of interesting that NBC was like, you know, let's mm. let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I mean, I, yeah, clearly I don't have to, thankfully, I don't have to imagine what it would have been like had this been the, the last episode. I will say that if all we had gotten of Quantum Leap was the We'd be sitting here season, doing a Sliders podcast. Well, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, I, I don't even know, I don't even know that I would, I don't even know that I would ever give the show much of a second thought. And uh, I hate to say that, because there are some really nice moments in season one, but... I don't know, it was very, um... I would probably would live in the same headspace for me as the TV show Nightmare Cafe. Yeah, I don't Remember know that, that show. One. No. <laughs> uh, so Nightmare Cafe, uh, it was presented as Quantum Leap meets Twilight Zone meets Cheers. Wow. Okay. It starred Robert England uh-huh. of Nightmare on Elm Street fame. Yeah. And at the start of the first episode, two characters... Uh, get killed in the process of trying to do the right thing. They get murdered. Okay. And they find themselves in this mysterious cafe, mm. which is basically like a purgatory where you get to go back and right one wrong before you move on to the next thing. Okay. And Robert England, his character's name was, was Blackie, and basically he was the Al okay. of that series, where basically he guided everybody else through their thing. Uh, So these two characters, this man and woman, uh, who died at the beginning of the first episode, they become the cook and the waitress of this cafe. And throughout the the six episodes that the series lasted, 
they help the people who have just died. They help them right one more wrong before they move on to the next. Uh, All right. The next thing. As I understand it, it was it was supposed to be a limited run series. It wasn't supposed to go on any longer than yeah. that. Uh, but again, it only lasted for six episodes. Uh, I don't think you can unless you, you just find somebody out there on the internet who happens to have copies of it. Yeah. Uh, but again, it, pro- it would probably live in that headspace. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. I mean, so, Dennis, are you, like, the expert in all all things time travel? <laughs> like, not not all things. I, I lean really heavily into them, but... Okay. Why do you ask? Because you're... Because you love Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. You love this show. You just mm-hmm. brought up that other show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like time travel is kind of a thing with you. Time travel is kind of a thing. Like, Nightmare Cafe wasn't even really really a time travel thing. Because, like, them going back to fix one last thing wasn't necessarily literally going back in time. It was just somehow reinserting themselves into the lives of the people who wronged them right before they left. Huh. Yeah. Huh. All right. I would say check it out, but you're not going to find it anywhere. But I mean, you can find anything these days. For sure. You dig hard enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're listening and you happen to have copies of Nightmare Cafe. Right. I mean, I'm a fan of anything Robert England does. So. Reach out, yeah. Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. Anyway. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, but anyway, so, to, 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 I was going to say to wrap it up, yeah. the final thoughts on the episode. I know, I know where Sam lies on this episode. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. It's not like I hate it. It's, it's I, I mean, it's, 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 it, it, it's not my least favorite of season one. Mm-hmm. You know, it really isn't. Uh, I think that it, it, it does, it does a lot right. Um, I, there's, there's, there's a lot to like about it, but some of it does feel very forced and some of it feels like it couldn't decide exactly what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And those are two things that just kind of turn me off in general. You know, I like things that, that, that know what it is that they're, that they're, you know, the world that they, in which they mm-hmm. are operating and existing in. And, um, yeah, it, I guess it, it's interesting because like in the first season, they, they hadn't even figured out what the show was. Right. And then to try to lay a genre episode on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess to what you're saying, Sam, it didn't, I could see what you're saying, but to me, it didn't bother me as much. Yeah. Because if you think about the genre of noir in general, it is kind of like we're, what we were talking about at the very beginning of this um, podcast that, you know, it's so easily parodied mm-hmm. that sometimes it feels like when you're watching this episode, it's like, okay, well, are they trying to be, are they poking fun at it or are they actually trying to replicate this? Yeah. And to me, it felt like they were trying to replicate it, but you have these outsiders who come in who are very much of a modern mindset being like, what is, you know, what is this language they're using and whatnot? Yeah. So for me, that's kind of how I interpreted it, but I could also see where you're coming from that, like... What 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 are they trying to do here? Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's you know it's funny. All of a sudden, as you were saying that, one of the things I got reminded of, oddly enough, was the Dick Tracy movie, which I feel like mm-hmm. is, is is a better example of what this episode, in my opinion, and I could be wrong about this, in my opinion, of what this episode is trying to do, because that Dick Tracy film does a wonderful job of being this sort of like day glow noir film with with these you know sort of superficial heightened characters in in these, you know, sort of comedic, almost parody type moments while also having a very sort of, I don't know, the the world feels true to everything that they're operating in where sometimes I just don't know. I don't know whether or not to be scared for Sam's life or to be scared that somebody's going to crack a bad joke. 
I guess that's how I would sum it. <laughs> <That's a> great. <laughs> um, but and then, I mean, uh, to juxtapose this with the next episode, we'll cover honeymoon yeah. express. Like that one, you actually get the sense that someone could die. Yeah. This one, and and I would even argue that honeymoon express feels. You know, it almost gets the film noir bits more right than this episode does. Mm-hmm. Because this one feels very stereotypical, whereas that one, it just so, you know, it's like it feels right that, yes, they're on this train and, you know, and there's, mm-hmm. there's this foggy evening and, you know, I, whereas it's like, of course it's raining, you know, in this mm-hmm. episode. But I mean, that said, it is a fun episode and, and, and Claudia Christian in particular is a great guest star. Uh, Seymour Willie Garson is, is a great guest star. Um... There's, you know, there's some really nice moments, and, and clearly there's some uh, imagery that'll be reused in the, in the credits throughout the run of the, the series from mm-hmm. this episode. Um, and, and it's, I think the other thing is, is that it, everybody seems to be having a lot of fun, and yet when you do get some of those more serious moments, especially the stuff between Sam and Al, it, mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not my favorite episode of the first season. It's certainly not my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of where I am. That's where I would like <laughs> Yeah. yeah Again, mean, it's weird that this is where they ended the season. Yeah. <laughs> Especially knowing that they had a few more episodes already in the can. Because mm-hmm. they, they had like two or three more episodes already shot. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get the chance to air them. Other than What Price Gloria? Do there was know? at least, yeah, there was at least one or two others. Um, I could see them going out on Disco Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> as a season ender. <laughs> Uh, Which is the second episode of the second season. That's great. I like the title. <laughs> that's all I know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the title. Yeah, I mean, you know, the episode, you know, to be perfectly frank, I enjoyed it. Um, but I couldn't, I, could, I didn't really understand why it has the following that it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seemed kind of like lighthearted fun. Mm-hmm. But then hearing you guys talk about it, clearly there's much more to this universe than these you know, two characters and how they interact and what the show has to say about life in general. And, um, but I, I, I wasn't really picking up on that so much in this episode. Mm. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, mm. it was good. So maybe as, as a final question to, to take us out, Sam, if you were to give Annie another episode to watch to kind of counterbalance this one, to redeem it, yeah. to say like, like no. no, 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 like, no, no, this isn't what Quantum Leap is. This is what Quantum Leap is. Oh, man. I think, I, you know, because they're fresh in my mind, I might, I might say either Honeymoon Express, because mm-hmm. I do think that it is, especially, again, in this day and age, you know, you go to a website, and, and you, or you go to Google, and you're just like, you know, how do I get into such and such TV show? Uh, like, the Star Trek shows in particular are perfect for doing this, because they'll give yeah. you, like, the, the quick shot, where it's like, instead of watching 100 episodes, you watch, like, 40, and you get everything you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were to fast track somebody with Quantum Leap, I might, I might not even show them the pilot Star-Crossed or Color of Truth from the first season first. I would show them those episodes, perhaps, mm-hmm. but I might just jump them right into Honeymoon Express. You know, or, mm-hmm. or, or at the very least, I would feel them out to see, like, what is it that they would like about the show before mm-hmm. getting into the show. Um... Because I don't know that you need to watch it in order. You know what I mean? Like, no. you should see Genesis first, probably. But, but yeah, I guess I would say Color of Truth or Honeymoon Express. Hmm. See, if I, was, if I was to fast-track someone in the series, I would say MIA, the, oh. leap, the Leap Home Part 1 and the Leap Home Part 2. Sure. Which is season two ender and then the first two episodes of the third season. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. how many seasons are there? 
Five. Five. First okay. season was only eight episodes because it was a mid-season replacement. Ah, okay. And they didn't even get to air all the episodes they shot for that season. I can't figure out what the other episode is. I'm pretty sure there's one more episode, though, besides mm-hmm. what price. They did eventually air. There's no, right. there's, there's right. no right. unaired episode. There's no, like, missing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Somewhere. Um, but, yeah, so I guess that's, I guess that's kind of where I am with this one, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, yeah, I stand by <laughs> Honeymoon Express. Honeymoon Express is, is a good way in, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You watch that episode, you get a good idea of the show. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. We're going to drop, I don't know if we're going to do it as its own week or a special episode. We're going to do like a season one recap episode. Yeah. And we're also going to talk about uh, recently, if you're a Quantum Leap fan, you probably heard uh, at LA Comic Con last week, there, uh, Don Belisario and Scott Bakula were there. And Belisario mentioned that he had written a, what is essentially a reboot script for Quantum Leap, uh, which has the, the Quantum Leap social media all, eh, maybe 200 of us, uh, a buzz, <laughs> a buzz talking about it. So I have feelings about that. Yeah. And you know what? I'm even going to go one step further and say that, uh, we would love to, uh, genuinely have a dialogue about this. So we're going to throw some stuff up on Facebook. We'll throw some stuff out there on, you know, on Instagram, Twitter, everything. Uh, we, we really want to gather some other opinions. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll read and discuss some stuff on the air. Uh, if anyone's feeling particularly bold and wants to, you know, Skype in with us, um, and, and, and podcast along with us, uh, for that particular episode to talk about the possibility of a, a feature length quantum leap, um, you know, whether it airs on Netflix or whatever the case may be, mm. uh, please, uh, uh, drop us a line. Um, I think it would be, it would be great to be able to have a dialogue about that. So we might even delay that, that season one recap slash quantum leap feature length script that Belisario has apparently written episode, mm. um, into, you know, a few episodes deep into season two. We, we were going to just in season one, do the recap episode and then jump right into season two, but we might, we might not do it exactly mm-hmm. that way. So, um, but I think that's about it mm-hmm. for this episode. Uh, play it again, Seymour. Uh, you know, go watch Casablanca if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it does. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, check Take out the care. big sleep. Check mm-hmm. out, uh, Devil Indemnity. You know, go watch the real film noir. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Anyway, thank you so much listeners. We appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. I want to stay, I want